Happy Saturday, everybody, and welcome to tonight's episode of Cold Cuts, the show where none of us have read the script at all until you, the viewers at home, see us receiving our script live on air. Right now, we are working our way through the story hub, which is written by Nicole Tuttle-Rob and edited by Mariah Clausen. And this whole overarching cold cuts concept is based on an idea by Declan Grogan. So last week on Hub, new found abilities and higher stakes plague the challengers of Hub but no challenge is as difficult as the one they are faced with next. Their own demons. And by demons, we found out basically that like Eve Green is Todoroki, but with wind. Uh, we found out that Jeb is Carrie, but with lightning. Avaris is probably some kind of werewolf. <sighs> probably. Hey, you know what? You know what? Werewolves are good. They are some of my favorite monsters, and I think they are a delight, okay? Uh, Hank might be some kind of medical robot. Aubrey is basically sure, not Aubrey, uh, Malachi is basically Sherlock Holmes. Grace has a, a, uh, a, a little brother, and they live in a hut, and they're very poor, and the narrator is now officially a character that is narrating the story to the characters and freaking everybody out. But it's hard to be so freaked out by the narrator because the narrator's so nice. Emory, you've got such a nice little like tone that when if you started like following me around and narrating my life, I'd be like, this is pleasing to me, actually. So I don't know. But I mean, they're in a high I'm pressure down. situation. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds like a great day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Crystal wrote in chat, my character demon is that I'm poor. Well, yeah, and you have a little brother to take care of who's not grateful for the fact that you're going to be gone eight months working. So basically, a lot of really heavy shit happened this past episode. And pretty sure that it stands to reason that some heavy shit's going to be happening in this episode, too. So when I introduce the cast, cast. My question to all of you that I want you to think of is it seems like this episode is going to be the first possibly of a series of every character working through their working through their demons, their, their issues. Based on the previous episodes and what we know so far about the characters and their personalities, who do you think will be the first to come to terms with their past and the horrors within? And who do you think will be the last? So that's something to reflect on while I introduce you to our cast in reverse alphabetical order. First up, we have Delton Ingle Sorrel. Hello, Delton. Am I really last alphabetical order? Yeah, Sorrel. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, we're going by last, last name. Okay. We're going by last name. Yeah. So I, I just to make it fair, so we don't have to wait for the same person. Like I try to do like alphabetical order one week, uh, reverse alphabetical, things like that, up and down. I've never so, had someone go by the S instead of the E. This is so cool. Oh, Hi, well, I'm you're, Dalton. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I usually just count. I thought that was your middle name. <laughs> no, I have two last names. Oh, I'm, I'm one of those kids. Well, next time I'll just file you under E and you don't get to go first or last. Way to knock yourself out there, buddy. Yeah. We really knocked ourselves out of the park. 
Hi, I'm Delta Dangle Sorrell. Uh, my pronouns are, are he, him, and I play Hank. And uh, uh, what was the question again? Okay, so they are going to be processing some heavy shit. Don't so laugh for a sec. Based on who, what we know about people's personalities and mm -hmm. what they're going through, who do you think is going to be the first to make it through the challenge of face your fears, face your demons, find self-actualization? And who do you think is going to be the last? I don't, you don't have to rank any, anyone in between. I just want to know mm -hmm. your, your thoughts for first and last. I feel like my, for first, I feel like actually maybe Hank, cause Hank's already kind of found people. There's just the question of like, if they'll just leave him after all this. <laughs> so, um, for like facing the demon of being alone after you spent like days around mm -hmm. people who are looking out for you and like that you get to look out for and like actually acknowledge you since you're not just like doctor number six that they've seen that day like you're yeah. you're hank and i'm helping your hand and i'm helping your bite and you're not going to turn into a werewolf like it's more of a connection than i think hank's had in a while so i think Aww. hank's hank's not happy having to look at that birthday song over again but he's in <sighs> much different place now um and for last uh i'm, I'm at a tie between avaris and jeb because jeb they were pretty not feeling so great about that um and then also avaris isn't great about talking about feelings and did not want to talk about it. So that is, uh, those are some tricky situations to be in health-wise. That's so true. That's my, that is my submission. You have really set the bar. So everyone else, you're going to have to submit an essay as well. So just think about it. No, and, and uh, God, last week with Hank and his little lonely birthday cupcake <laughs> was just so damn sad. Um, Happy to help. God, and I love that his name is, like, Dr. Healthman. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, can we rip that for Delton's reel? Yes. Like, can someone send that to him, truthfully? It was haunting. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, we will have it as the audio drama version. Yay. So, uh, so while we're all extremely sad, uh, up next we have Corey Sapienza. Hello, I'm Corey. I play Jeb. My pronouns are they, he. Um, yeah, I I completely agree with Delton about Hank being first for the same reason. I mean, it like in a way he's already facing that demon actively, so like it makes sense. I agree. And in terms of last, I'm I'm inclined to say maybe both Eve and Grace, because I feel like both of theirs involve other people who aren't present and like actually like having a conversation with those people and like finding the resolution there. It's not just internal, it's like actually like fixing this. And like, how are you supposed to do that if you can't talk to the person? So that is an that's, yeah. excellent point also your nails oh yeah my birthday was this week so i oh, got them done birthday. yeah they're, they're yellow and they're thematically <laughs> appropriate i love it 
uh, great look for you. Um, no, that I hadn't thought of it that way. There's external factors involved with theirs. So bonus question that you may or may not answer. Do you think these characters that have external uh, conflicts that are driving uh, Eve and Grace, do you think they're going to show up for some closure? Or do you think that maybe, or, or they'll show up themselves or some kind of entity taking on their forms? Do, do you believe that will happen? I think like, in my head, it's more likely that there would be some sort of entity, but I also don't think that's true closure. Like, I think that they would both see through that and be like, this is one thing for my own brain, but like, I still don't have closure with that person. Like, it's not the same thing, you know? So I, I don't know. I feel like, like, Hub's been pretty weird so far. I feel like it's not, I wouldn't put it past them to just throw some random people in there, but like, also, I feel like it's been a pretty closed room until now. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see like these two specific relatives showing up as like an entirely likely scenario, but who knows? Anything could happen. I, the, you and Dalton have both knocked your answers out of the park. Uh, so good luck, everybody else. And speaking of everybody else, up next, Aubrey Poppleton. Hello, Aubrey. Hi, uh, I'm Aubrey, they, them. I do Malachi the Red. Um, but yeah, uh, Delton and Corey basically like covered everything I was going to say. It's uh, like, who has the active trauma that can't be changed now, something that can't change another person or um, with uh, Jeb and Avaris, there's that curse, um, those powers that they might feel as a burden to others that they can't change. Um, eventually they might learn to control it, but that might be a while and who knows. So yeah, it's um, that idea of something that's who has the thing that they can't change by themselves or immediately. Um, and especially like um, with the powers that like cause problems, it's like I have chronic health problems and that's like almost similar where it's, you can't change that. That's something that you have to deal with the rest of your life. So like that's, something you can't fix overnight like you have to come to terms with it eventually and learn how to build off of that and yeah right so since your points had already been made i would like to ask you then uh directly about malachi yeah malachi's guilt uh how do you I, how do you think he'll come to terms with the i fact think that either middle or somewhat quickly um because um like especially with grace helping him like that's like something it's like that's not your fault and, yeah yeah it was a really heavy story yeah. uh and it was because malachi kind of up to this point has been uh very much like a rock particularly for grace yeah. uh very much the cool head and and then we see just this horrible story in his life and all of this this weight that he is carrying uh, very interested in seeing how he processes that. And then, of course, by extension, how you present him yeah. <laughs> processing that. Uh, this is going to be really interesting. This is going to be a really interesting episode uh, for all of you. Uh, up next, we have Grant Patrizio. Hi there. I am, Hi. Grant <laughs> I am Grant Patrizio, pronouns he, him, playing Avaris the Orange, 
And as if to try and sound a little bit original, since most of my stuff has also already been said, I'm just going to go in reverse order. Uh, most trauma, I am on Delton's wavelength 110%. It is a tie between Avaris and Jeb because both of their flashbacks involve realizing that they effectively were responsible for someone's death and imagining having to relive that trauma again for the first time because they did it once before the presumed memory wipe. So living through it the first time revealing that trauma a second time, that would shatter anyone. If I had to say who was lower on the list, though, I would say Avaris, just because of his hot head tendency to scream and not really make any friends. He's probably, like, dead last, but Jeb and Avaris, based on the heaviness of their memory, would still go either way, in my view. You say As Avaris doesn't have any friends, but... Uh, it I would, sort of uh, feels like that. He, I, I, he tends to get into arguments with people a lot. Like he does. He hears from the sidelines. He's very matter of fact. We do this now. Let's go. Very prickly, as my friends call oh, it. Oh, of course. And but like, but everyone would in that group would still stick their necks out for him if if it came to it. And if that's not friendship, I don't know what is. Especially Grace. Uh, you know, his connection with Grace, even if he's in a in a love triangle with Malachi, Grace, and Boris, I do think Grace does genuinely give a whole hell of a lot of shit about him. You've got friends. Well, we we shall see of what we shall see what happens as Avaris processes the fact that he is a furry who killed someone. As far as as far as the lowest, my initial answer was Grace just because I hadn't remembered everybody else's fully. But from what I understand, Grace was going through something that, not to minimize it, felt kind of routine for the life that she mm -hmm. was in before Hub. And the little brother, being a little brother, was reacting fairly. Right. But at the same time, everything she was doing was for the little brother's sake, and she owned up to that. Right. So the way it landed on me for the question was, Grace has to come around to the idea that she is doing the best she can for her little brother and that she is enough, which something huge to get over given the context, for sure, just not responsible for someone's death. I, I want to loop back around to something that you had said previously. And yeah. uh, Corey, if you would like to jump in, you, you're more than welcome to as well. You, you did make an excellent point that uh, Avaris and Jeb both are traumatized by having these abilities and powers that have killed people that, uh, at least in Jeb's case, uh, their parents. And then in Avaris's case, we don't know yet, but it was clearly enough to terrify him. So I don't know if it was someone close, but regardless, killing had an impact on him. Do you think this is something that those two will end up bonding over perhaps and getting closer? Um, that maybe some of Avaris's prickliness will be filed away a little bit as he finds kind of a kindred spirit I would certainly hope so. It would, in this particular case, it would probably be the quickest way for Avaris to start the processing at all. Because last we left him, he was mortified. Somebody tried to go over to him. He let his pricks out and was just like, no, don't talk to me. So who knows? No, he is almost quite literally now a wounded animal and reacting yeah. as such. 
Uh, yeah. Corey, is that some is that something that you see happening perhaps between Jeb and Navaris kind of noticing the similarities in their situation and their trauma? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um because you're right, they are like really close mirrors of each other. Um so yeah, it would not it would not surprise me at all if they do bond more. <laughs> And speaking of bonding, uh, two people that I also feel might have something in common, just based a lot on some of the points that Belton, uh, Corey, and and Aubrey made. Uh, we, up next, we have Marissa Catherine. Uh, oh, same yeah. question. <laughs> Do you think that this, something similar would happen between uh, Eve and Grace, perhaps, having these external traumas? Delton, you stop that. Um... <laughs> um my name is Marissa Catherine. I play Eve. I actually can see Grace and Eve bonding over that. Personally, I think Grace would be the first one coming to terms with everything just because she's always been the person who's able to rally around everyone. And she, like um, Grant just said, was able to, it's like routine for her. She knew she was going. And I think we touched on it last week where we think maybe this was the job she was going to. So this just might be something she knows she needs to get out of and be done to get to her brother. So I think she would be able to rally for that. And then easily like Eve comes up and is able to be there for the other people. She had to go in with two other people too. So she knows she needs to be there for everyone. Um, and yeah, I'm going to definitely say Avaris is last because that was some heavy stuff and he doesn't, really share with everybody. I feel like everyone will rally to him, but right now he is truly backed into a sad corner. Yeah. And that is, that is a great point about Eve having to be the rock for at least two different people. <laughs> at least. At least. She deserves, yeah. she deserves reciprocity. Mm -hmm. She goes through her <laughs> shit. Um, so, so another, another bonus question here. Mm -hmm. Were Avaris to pick another person to go in with him versus going in alone. Who do you think he would have picked? I really have to say Eve because they had that bickering of like a husband and wife almost. And I think that that would just counteract it, right? Like he knows Eve will call him on his shit mm -hmm. and be able to help kind of pull him out of that. At least she's pulled him out of so many things. I'm just telling him like, stop. And like, you are being an idiot. So I think she could definitely get him into that too. Just get to pull him out of there. Yeah, well, here's hoping, but I also <laughs> hope that that Eve receives as much as she's been giving as well. She needs it. <laughs> you really we do, Eve. Especially <laughs> if, if you are the one who pulls me out, you'll have to pull pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And up next, we have Crystal Lee. So Crystal, similar question to Hello. Marissa uh, okay. about about the, the parallels between Eve and Grace uh, as well as the Yeah, no, for question. sure. Hi, I'm Crystal. I play Grace, formerly known as Blue, pronouns are she, her. And oh, I love the parallels, like that concept of like responsibility to family and like your duty to like, like not just take care of them, but like it's like going in different directions. Like Grace is coming from a place of like wanting to provide and Eve is trying to prove herself. And those are just like the feeling of falling short with people that you aren't able to talk to and communicate with in that moment is so it's like it's tense and oh it's juicy so I love seeing that parallel and I hope they get to talk about it but also Eve has a lot on her plate already so I hope like it would be cool if someone could be there for her like Grace would be would be cool 
Um, but I also agree with all the other, like, a lot of the predictions so far. I think I like that. I, I like Hank being the first person to get out of it just because, like, he does have us now. Like, we've, we've, we've survived all these trials together. Like, he's got people. You know, he's no longer the person in a room with a crushed cupcake singing happy birthday to himself. That's not him anymore. Um, and so I think it'll be a lot easier for him to see that because he's got the evidence in front of him. Versus, oh, Avaris. I, you can't understand how alone he is. Like, it's a, okay, one thing that really, really struck me about the trial, like this one in particular, is that you have the choice to bring someone in with you to what you know is going to be the worst moment of your life. And everyone chose to bring someone with them except him. He was actively like, no, fuck all of y'all, this is me alone. And I related to that because when I saw that proposition, like the, the, the whole, the premise of it, I was like, if I had my memories gone and I knew I was about to go and walk into my lowest point ever, I wouldn't want anybody to see. I would not have, I would not have taken anyone in with me. And so I related really hard to him about that. And just like, and that's like, it's, it protects you, but it also hurts because it's so much harder to like, nobody's gonna, nobody knows what he's going through. Nobody knows to pull him out of it. He's trying to figure, like, he thinks he can, like, he, you know, he's got all of, he's like, prickly exactly like a porcupine like i can figure this out nobody needs to like don't touch me but like like then seeing that i don't know i hope it it has obviously rocked his world knowing what he's done and what he is and who he is and hope i'm really really where porcupine um thank you emery <laughs> but yeah i just i hope that have like that shookening will let him like kind of i don't know open some cracks in the in the porcupine armor and let some people in. I really am looking forward to, like, I hope there is something between Jeb and Avaris that they can, like, bond over their, like, gift-slash-curse stuff. Situation. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. I, I love that you referred to it as gift-curse. So, kind of appropriately, up last, we have the narrator, Emery Chase, who's been watching over everyone now as a character in their own right. Yes. Uh, so I, I guess now I play the narrator officially <laughs> as opposed to being the narrator because they've appeared. Um, I was initially leaning towards Hank being the first person as well. But then I had a thought and now I don't think he's going to be the first person at all because Hank is incredibly analytical and I feel like he's always kind of thinking like three, four steps ahead, right? And so, yes, he's not alone anymore, but I think his brain is already at the point of like, we're almost out of this. I'm going to be alone again. So I think he has to confront his inevitable return to that life. Whereas all of these other people are potentially going back to their lives with like the opportunity to overcome some of these things. I mean, obviously like Jeb can't unmurder their parents, but you know, like some people like grace could go find her brother maybe malachi could like solve some other crimes eve could make up with her dad but he's like i'm about to lose the only time i've not been alone so i think he's gonna have a time with that yeah, um that's a first person point. i think probably either grace or malachi and then last i'm gonna say eve because like daddy issues stick man oh fair. don't go away <laughs> very fair point <laughs> very fair um because i the, all all these really excellent points about hank uh it's it's hank's day to shine i guess in terms of analysis today. and if he is a um, robot then there's also this whole question of like how does his emotional processing work too like that may or may not be true that he is a robot but if he is that could like change a lot of things 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting because for Hank, the solution is additive. And for everybody else, it's subtractive. Trying to subtract trauma and pain. Whereas for Hank, it's trying to add love and connection. Uh, So if anyone has any final thoughts, particularly you, chat, want to hear from chat today. Thank you to all of you for the very heavy talk going into this. It's going to be a great episode for sure with all of this thought and discussion hanging over our heads as we dive in. So if any, if nobody has any additional thoughts, um, platform, could you please send everybody their scripts? Actors, when you receive your script, please give me a thumbs up so that I know to start the show and we can see who is in the race to heal first chat again would love to hear from you if you don't want to give any kind of insight what we would love from you is that we are twitch affiliates so please make sure to to subscribe to our channel to show your support for indie theater because twitch then gives us a cut of their ad revenue and that is a good thing because we want to keep funding our projects so Show the art some love. Oh, we got a message from Nicole, the writer of this this whole story arc. Such a great convo ahead of time. Love hearing your thoughts. Thank you, Nicole. I loved hearing everyone's thoughts too. Thank you for giving us so much to talk about and such a weighty story to dive into. And speaking of diving into, it looks like everybody has their script. So let's get started tonight on Hub, episode eight, Error. By Nicole Tuttle. The group was silent, the weight of their recent challenge resting squarely on their shoulders. Avaris simmered in his corner, his fist clenched tight enough for his fingernails to almost break the skin of his palm. His guilt consumed him. You stop. Stop talking. Stop telling us what we already know. He shook with guilt before standing to his feet and ripping at the orange fabric that made up his door. Pulling at the seams, ripping it until nothing remained but shreds. He fell to his knees, tears threatening to fall from his eyes. The others watched on quietly. I can't. Avaris, please, it's okay. Okay? Eve, look around. Nothing is okay. This challenge was torture. They force us into these imaginary scenarios after removing every memory of our lives and force us to compete. And they dangle our memories over us like dog treats. Oh, except, oh, oh, wait. We're only going to give you the most traumatic memory from your life. Avaris, none of us are particularly happy about this arrangement either. We can't win this game. Nobody wins this. Avaris returned to his spot on the ground, hugging his knees as if that would keep him from falling to pieces. Gone was this stubborn and hot-headed man, and in his place sat a man grieving and surrounded by the memory of his own sins that threatened to swallow him whole. Avaris, hey, hey, look at me. Look at me right now. Grace knelt down to the floor before him and gripped Avaris's arm. His breath was ragged his eyes glistening on the verge of tears, his face twisted in an expression of pain that ultimately softened as he looked at her. This isn't helping anything. I know you want to give up, I know. Believe me, I understand, but that's what they want. They want us to fail this test. They want us to to break down. 
They want to break us, Avaris. Don't you let them. Avaris heard Grace's words, but they landed on unwilling ears. Why hasn't the portal shown up yet? Because we haven't accepted it. What? The challenge was not to relive the worst memory, but to accept it. I think that's why the storyteller is here. They're basically outing our innermost thoughts, forcing us to reconcile with them. What does that even mean? I am not sure. Are we supposed to forgive ourselves or something? Because that's not going to happen. That's not what acceptance means. Grace is right. You don't have to forgive, but we have to own up to it. We made those choices. We made those mistakes. We lived through those moments, and, and that's part of our history. We need to own it. My father, he was tough on me. Told me I wasn't strong enough or good enough. Worst part is that I believed it. I was working on a case. I was given clues. I needed to find a horrible man before he did something terrible. But I was too late. I didn't put the pieces together quick enough. And a young girl died because of it. I left my brother alone for weeks on end to provide for my family. I was too busy focusing on doing what I needed to do, and I, I didn't stop to think about what he needed. I... I am alone in this world. I have no family, no friends, nobody. I have isolated myself so expertly that I am pretty confident that right now nobody in the outside world even noticed my absence. Grace gripped Hank's hand and gave a squeeze. He smiled weakly back at her. The room again fell quiet as eyes fell to Jeb and Avaris. No. I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this. Can't. I'm going to be stuck here. We're already stuck, Malachi. Jeb, it's okay. You don't have to tell anyone. Thank you. But you also don't deserve to feel the way you're feeling right now, alone. Eve, I can't. I know how it feels, Jeb. You don't know anything, Eve. Your dad was a jerk, and I killed my family. You and I are not the same. Jeb's words hung in the air. Silence filled the space. There you go. Now you all know I'm a monster. No, you're not, Jeb. They didn't do it on purpose. But I did it, Eve. I did it. I killed them. That was my fault. I killed someone, too. They each turned to look at Avaris, who was leaning up against the wall, his arms crossed in front of his chest, his red-rimmed eyes downturned. They remained silent, waiting for Avaris to continue. Yep. <laughs> Figured you wouldn't have much to say about that. And unlike Jeb here, I think I did it on purpose. So no, kid. You're not a monster. I am. The air in the room tensed, as if collectively they all stopped breathing. Avaris. Save it. I know what you're going to say. No, you don't. You're just going to say that I'm not a monster. No, I'm not. What could you possibly want to say to me after what I did? You did something horrible. Unthinkable. You committed a monstrous act. Yeah, I know. Let me finish. We've all done something we're ashamed of here. And honestly, I don't think we have the right to judge each other. 
We don't know anything of ours. We don't know why you did it. We don't know why I left my brother. We don't know why Jeb did what they did. We don't know why Hank pushed everyone away, and that's what we're trying to do here. They're trying to take away our context, take away our ability to see the whole picture. Azul, we need to understand the entirety of the picture in order to be... in order to conceptualize. I don't deserve forgiveness for this, G. I'm not saying I forgive you. I don't have that power. I'm saying I accept that I don't know the whole story. None of us do. I don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, either. Everyone deserves that. You're not our weakest moment. Do you hear that, Jeb? You are not your weakest moment. Yeah, I hear you. Aris, if we continue, we can find the context. You will not have closure until you understand. Let us help you understand. Once again, a silence fell over the chamber. It's not exactly silent if you're still talking. Jeb and Avaris let the words of their companions sink in. A single tear slid down Jeb's cheek as they nodded their head and reached for Eve's hand and squeezed. But the pain in Avaris's eyes did not disappear, and the guilt waging war within him did not subside. I can't accept this. I can't. Avaris looked to his companions an apology in his eyes. He knew, as they all knew, that he had just failed the challenge. Suddenly, a familiar flicker of blue light from the other end of the room caught their attention. Mortal, it's here. Grace gave Avaris's hand a squeeze and draped her other arm around Jeb's shoulders. Eve nestled into Jeb's side as she hugged them. Let's go. Moments later, they all disappeared into the light, their eyes adjusting to the light, then dark, then light, before arriving back at Hub. Looks like our storyteller friend didn't come with us this time. Good. I was tired of my deepest thoughts being on display. Know what you mean. Malachi smiled shyly at Grace before looking around the space. Any remnants of the portal were gone. Hank and Malachi began looking around curiously. What are you two doing? For a, a new addition. Aside from the blue patch on our wristbands. I'm assuming the memory we got during the challenge was a memory reward this time. Because I don't remember anything else. Do you all remember anything? Nothing new? No? Me neither. Varys? What about you? You um... Well, you failed, so I would assume you would lose the memory we got? I couldn't forget that memory even if I wanted to. Curious. Uh, I wonder why you're allowed to keep that. But, but you do not have the blue portion of the wristband. Because these memories aren't rewards, Hank. They never were. Great. These people are like the Oprah of traumatic memories. Who? Never mind. They made the journey back to their cave of a home base quietly, the calming tones of their storyteller a distant memory, and the weight of the recent challenge resting heavily on their minds. They rested silently on their beds for the evening. No one dared to disturb the reflection as they each relived those moments over and over again. Hank had mindlessly began toying with some of the mechanisms within the kitchen, 
while the others remained in silence well into the evening. Well, aren't we a cheery bunch today? We've, we have nothing to be cheery about. I'm just saying. Should really get some rest. We have no idea what's next. Or if there even is a next. Malachi is right. We have entered and completed six portals thus far. Six portals, six colors, and six of us. You think we're done? I did not say that. So what are we supposed to do now? Same as we've been doing this whole time. Wait and do nothing and let them push us around and force us to play along. Okay, then we start being more proactive. What do you suggest we do? Use their technology against them. The heads in the room snapped towards Hank, who stood alone in the kitchen toying with something on the counter. A mess of cords and wires splayed across the surface. What are you doing there? Advanced technology here. Something that I am not even sure I have witnessed before coming here. However, if you can hotwire a vehicle, then you can hotwire just about anything. You're hotwiring the kitchen counter? No, Jep. Hank carefully allowed two ends of recently spliced cord to touch, creating a spark. At first, the spark was the only reaction, but then suddenly, in a flash of light, the corner of the cave was illuminated by a portal. Standing as tall as the others had, the word at the top of the arch simply read, Hub, and the color of the light was almost iridescent, shifting between the colors of the rainbow depending on the angle they looked at it. I am hotwiring Hub itself. Hank, how, how did you... You just created a portal. No, I, I simply accessed it. So, what are we gonna do? We're going in, clearly. Is that clear? Is that a clear plan, actually? It's time to get out of here. I can't be in here for one minute longer. Ooh, okay, but what if... What if they hit us right back? Have we stopped to consider that distinct possibility? Jeb, we've been trying to learn more about this place and who put us here before, but we're getting nothing but crumbs. This is a chance to really understand what's going on here. Don't you want that? Well... We have to go. Agreed. There is a risk, of course. I don't know if I will be able to re-trigger a portal on the other side, seeing as it is not a challenge to complete. I don't, I don't intend to come back. Hold on, Avaris. This might not be an exit. Anything can be an exit if you try hard enough. That doesn't even make sense. This might be our way out. And it might not. We should try to learn as much as possible. In case we can't leave, leverage information to get another chance at getting out of here. So, we're going? We're going, and I'm done waiting around and talking about it. One by one, they slipped inside the new portal, disappearing into a flash of light, then dark, then light again. Their eyes adjusted to their new surroundings, a large, sterile-looking room with metallic walls and chrome furniture. Very little clutter filled the room. It was pristine. Looking down at their clothing, they realized that they had not changed clothes or forms. Instead, they remained entirely themselves. All right, stay quiet. Look around. There's got to be some kind of way out of here. For a way out, I'll look for information. I'll join you, Grace. Avaris began walking the perimeter of the large room, Jeb and Eve closely on his heels, in search of a door. 
see a computer ahead. I will see if I can get into it. Hank walked off towards the computer sitting on the edge of the room. Malachi and Grace stood in the center of the room, taking it all in. Computer. I know that my memory's been wiped, but I feel like I would have remembered something like that existing. You know, any of this stuff. I remember other pointless things, but this, nothing. And I've noticed that sometimes it feels like Jeb is speaking a different language every time they open their mouth. I'm not used to being the dumbest in the room. Not dumb, Malachi. I, I don't remember this stuff either. Do you think we ever did? Well, I'm starting to think that there's a reason we don't understand those references. Or know about this technology. Me too. But it doesn't make any sense. It can't be possible. Can't it? I mean, look around, Malachi. None of this should be possible. We could breathe underwater yesterday. I was almost transformed into some sort of creature. I... There's too much of a gap in our understanding for it to be a coincidence. But that would mean... We didn't come from the same place. And I think we've both known that for a while now. God. How is this possible? I don't know, Malachi, but we're gonna figure it out. I swear to you. If, if what we're thinking is true, then we're going to need something a lot more powerful than a door to get us, to get each of us home. Yeah, that thought had occurred to me too. Gee, uh, Malachi, I believe I have found a way into this system. Should we tell the others our hypothesis? Yeah, but not now. Let's see what we can dig up first. Grace and Malachi walked over to where Hank was slumped in front of a computer, typing away at the keyboard. They both studied the device for a moment in wonder. Password protected, so I tried hub. That worked. Very strong password. My thoughts exactly. Uh, they definitely were not planning on anyone finding this room. Did you find something? inside of it. Yes. Look. Hank pointed at a file on the desktop titled Hub Challenge. That, that has to be about us, right? Find out. Hank double-clicked on the file, and it opened. Malachi and Grace both shielded their eyes from the brightness of the screen. Hank spared just a moment to give them each a puzzled look at their reaction before returning to the matter at hand. Uh, they have several files in here, color-coded. Oh, of course they are. They certainly love their colors here, don't they? Perhaps they're about us. Hank clicked open the red color-coded file. A document appeared suddenly. A white background with red lettering. Red Champion. Red Champion? What does that mean? Uh, here. There's more. Hank scrolled slowly, revealing more to the document. James Malachi. 31. Human male. Hyper... Hyper-observance. My last name. Has it? It's my name. Huh. One other thing here. Ari... 1890. 
1890. What is that supposed to mean? I mean something. All right, let's keep looking. See if there's anything else that sticks out. Hank moved to open the blue-color-coded file. A similar, a similar-looking document appeared with blue lettering titled "Blue Champion." Calderon Grace, twenty-eight, human, female, excessive strength. BVS four ninety-one. No, but my name does feel familiar. Hank moved through the other documents quickly, and Malachi made quick work of writing them down in his journal for future reference. Green Eve, 22. Redacted, female. Wind, GP, 2022. Reed, Avaris, 30... Moonchild, male. Shift, O-E-2011? Moonchild, what's that supposed to mean? Dugan Jeb, 16, human. Enhanced. Non-binary, lightning. Y-C-B, any. These codes keep getting more confusing. Elfman, Hank, uh, undet undetectable, human... Question. Uh, male. Inhuman lungs. P.O.S. Infinite. What does it mean, Hank? Human? With a question mark? Uh, I do not understand. Eves is redacted. It says something about moons for Avaris and enhanced for Jen. None of this makes any sense at all. Well, there has to be more, right, Hank? Hank went back out of the folder, and the screen flashed, and the screen flashed brightly and settled on a different picture. Hank's eyes scanned the image before him. I knew it. Knew what, Hank? This is our folder right here. Uh, this one contains all of our information. <laughs> there are dozens of older other folders just like it. What? Look. Names. Colors. It is all here. They've done this before. Many, many times. Hank sat back and made no effort to continue his search through the files, but rather sat still watching the screen as it slowly faded to black. Hank, are you okay? Uh... The more pieces of the puzzle we find, the less it makes sense. What are we doing here? Well, we actually had a bit of a theory about that, Hank. On the other side of the room, Avaris, Jeb, and Eve were moving desks and file cabinets so that they could check behind them for any sort of opening. Oh, shit! There's no way out of this damn room! There's not even a damn air vent! Avaris gripped the back of a chair and tossed it forcefully across the space. Jeb and Eve shared a glance before approaching. Avaris, this isn't a total loss. You're stuck, Eve. Still. We finally get the jump on them. We finally do something they weren't expecting, and we still can't get the hell out of here. Maybe the others found information. Information isn't going to save our lives, Jeb. It might. Calm down, Avaris. Why should I? 
I've been calm this entire time while you all decided to play along with this stupid, sick game. As Avaris's voice and temper rose, his eyes seemed to glisten an almost yellow color. He barred his teeth and continued in a vaguely gravelly tone. I've wanted to fight back, but I've been outnumbered this whole damn time, telling me to relax, to calm down, to go with the flow. Well, screw that! Avaris's already daunting frame expanded higher, looming over Jeb and Eve more than usual. Avaris, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on is that I'm the only one who seems to give a shit about leaving this place! Grace, Malachi, and Hank's eyes were drawn to the rise of Avaris's voice and quickly moved across the space to join Eve and Jeb. What's happening to him? Avaris's anger grew as he gripped the edge of a table near him. His nails elongated enough to puncture the surface. His head jerked in pain as he let out a primal growl, and the hair on his arm began to grow steadily. Um, is that normal? I am tired of taking orders from you! I will not be trapped! In a moment of pure rage, Avaris's human form disappeared, and in its place was that of a large wolven creature with long, sharp claws and bright yellow eyes. Holy shit! Get back, everyone! Grace attempted to push the others back, but a swipe from Avaris's long arm was <gasps> too fast, slicing through Eve's chest. She let out a scream in pain. Stop! Avaris! Move! Jeb held Eve up, and they moved quickly through the room to the other side. Malachi and Hank stood their ground behind Grace, who had raised her hands above her, palms facing the wolf. You cut that out right now, Avaris, you hear me? A low, guttural growl was the only warning Grace got before Avaris struck with his teeth, finding purchase on her wrist. Ugh! Avaris, damn it! It's me! It's us! Stop this! The creature had already begun to wind up for another strike when Malachi and Hank both hooked hands around Grace's body and pulled her backwards across the room. <sighs> they all cramped behind a large lab table. What are we supposed to do? Don't let him hit you. It freaking hurts. Eve winced as her chest continued to bleed in a steady flow of dark red blood. We have to stop him. How? I've never had to fight a werewolf. We make him remember who he is. Great plan! Hey, big bad wolf, your name is Avaris and you're kind of an asshole. It's not working! The creature moved forward across the room slowly, carefully, stalking the others as they huddled together. <sighs> this hurts like hell. Pressure on it, Eve. I can help you. How do we stop him? Going to hurt us. No. I know what you're thinking, and no, we're not going to hurt him. He might kill us, Grace. He has killed before, remember? So have you, Jeb. Should we kill you too? Silence filled the area. The only sound was the slow, steady huffs of breath as the creature drew closer. That was low, gee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just... He's one of us. Just like you are, Jeb. We can't... Heard him. I get it. So what are we gonna do then? Getting closer. There's a fire extinguisher somewhere in this room, right? What is that? A red metal tube with a hose. Yeah. Uh, I saw one of those on the right side of the room, near the computer, hanging on the wall. 
Maybe we can get him to cool off. How will we reach it? A diversion. I'll distract him. You run and get it, G. You're the fastest. You are far too injured for that. Yeah, no way you're gonna be a distraction, Eve. You probably couldn't take another hit. I'm fine. Really. Look. Eve turned to face Jeb and the others, and slowly pulled down the collar of her tunic to reveal a patch of blood-stained skin with no injury beneath it. Accelerated healing abilities? Since when have you had that? I'm not gonna question it. Came in handy, didn't it? We need to make a move quickly. Be ready to run, G. Grace nodded at Eve before shifting her weight onto her feet in a crouched position. Eve gave a quick look at each of her companions before bursting out from her hiding space and into the open. The creature's gaze locked on Eve, and he lunged. Eve moved quickly, narrowly avoiding the tack, and the creature fell into the desk behind her with a thud, sending papers and technology flying. Grace jumped to her feet and sprinted across the open space to the red metal tube that hung on the wall. Go, Jay! The creature began stirring again and moved quickly to free himself from the rubble of the desk. Eve dashed across the room as he lunged again. Eve! Careful! Grace's hands gripped the extinguisher as she held it in her hands for a moment, studying the strange device. What do I do with this? Use it! How? Eve moved quickly through the room, the creature hot on her trail, flipping desks and causing a mess of destruction in his wake. Pull the pin! Grace fumbled with the device in her hand and struggled to find the pin Jeb spoke of. I'm sorry, I don't, I can't. Bring it back. Eve, lead him back here. Then, Grace and Eve both turned on a heel and booked it back to where their friends sat waiting, sprinting as fast as they could across the metallic floor, dodging debris from the creature's rampage. Grace, Grace arrived just moments before Eve and tossed the extinguisher to Jeb, who made quick work of the pin and held it out waiting. Eve vaulted over the table and landed on the ground near the others, just as Jeb let loose the phone from the device. The creature growled in frustration as he struggled to make sense of the assault. He's disoriented! But not shifting back. We, we needed another plan, fast. The stream of foam from the device in Jeb's hand steadily declined in power. Uh, running out of time here! A flash of light erupted from somewhere in the room but the others couldn't quite see the source from their vantage point behind the desk. Jeb, however, caught a full view of the portal and the tall, slender man arriving through it. We got company. Swiftly, the figure from the portal moved forward, touching a syringe to Avaris's wolf form. Releasing the liquid inside, Avaris, covered in foam, began to shake, his primal growls giving way to in moments, Avaris laid on the ground panting in human form. Then the others were able to assess the stranger who had arrived to their rescue. What the hell? <gasps> Dad? Sure enough, the figure standing before them was the man from Eve's memory. The tall man wore a fitted green suit, and his green eyes were shining inhumanly as he surveyed the scene before him. Recognize me, then. I should have guessed your most traumatic memory would be of me. What's going on here? This... this is my dad. He was in my memory. Well, certainly caused a mess here, haven't you? Uh, what the hell? What is going on? I'm lucky I showed up when I did. 
Things could have gotten a whole lot messier. We should have... We would have to start all over. What are you talking about? Where are we? What's going on here? The whole point of taking off your memories is so you don't know the answers to those questions, Eve. Hey! Let us go home, now! <laughs> no, I can't do that. We're almost finished. What the hell are you talking about? And you, my darling, pathetic daughter, you have not embarrassed me entirely, yet. I was impressed with your quick thinking during my challenge, although I can't say I'm thrilled that you failed Pink's. I have yet to hear the end of it. What? Why? Why did you do this to me? To us? I thought I explained this quite thoroughly. You cannot know. Not yet, at least. Uh, let... Uh, let me at him. <sighs> hmm. Varus, what an impressive show of strength. Not so much control, but we don't always need to restrain our deepest impulses. When will you be done? Soon. You're not supposed to interfere with us, are you? You're observant. Of course you are. No, I'm not. In fact, if I stay here much longer, the entire thing will be tainted. <laughs> so what? Listen, G, love. You're not going to want us to have to start over. Because there's only one way to make it out of this alive. And that certainly isn't it. You won't get away with this. <laughs> we already have. And Eve, darling, you're being uncharacteristically silent. No comebacks, no smart remarks. Hmm, nothing. How disappointing to see you've broken so easily. I am not broken. Oh, then prove it. Do not let me down. The portal that stood open on the side of the room burned brighter, engulfing the entire room in the bright green light. Then there was darkness then light again, and they were yet again back in Hub, their cave. No, no, let us go, let us... Avaris's legs buckled as he moved to stand. He went fumbling. Hank's strong arms around him was the only thing that kept him from falling to the ground. Uh, you are covered in foam, and, uh, your tunic is no longer... well, there... Angrily, Avaris moved to his bed area and pulled on the spare clothes that they each had in their spaces before flopping down on the end of his mattress, fuming. Don't go getting mad at us again. We can't handle that right now. You know. What? That I was a werewolf? No. But I sure as hell do now. I understand the pain. I mean, I was almost a Sasquatch. No, you were... You were not. Okay, Eve? Okay. Not even remotely. My dad put me in here. He's doing this to me. To all of us. I'm so sorry. You heard him. He created the Green Portal Challenge. Hey, Eve. It's not your fault. You don't know that. Avaris, please. Not now. What? Uh, the green champion. He chose you. Chose me? Like, my memory? You asked him to choose you. You... wanted this? I can't imagine a world where that's true enough, though. 
Why would I want this? I don't know. I'm sorry. Gave away very... And he gave away a very important piece of information. Which is? He said Eve did a great job during his challenge, but failed Pink's. And that he hasn't heard the end of it. He had it wrong. The green challenge was not created for Eve. It was created by the person who chose her. Just like the red was not solely for me. Or the blue for Grace. We are simply the champions, running the race that they have created. So much for our escape route. It wasn't pointless, though. Hank found some files, information on all of us. Malachi read off the information they found, and the others listened intensely. Redacted? So what? I'm not human? Enhanced. Like the Hulk? Oh man. How cool is that? Moonshild makes me sound like a fucking Powerpuff Girl. We don't know what it all means yet, but it's something at least. None of this helps us. None of it. It's just more information that means nothing. We're all forgetting something else that we learned today. What? They need us alive. The end. Bum, bum, Woo! Emery, you have an, I would like to get this, this started off. You, you left a note in chat and I would like to let you have your say. Uh, yeah. I totally called this last episode, but it didn't fit in our wrap up chat. So it didn't um, come up, but during Eve's memory, I was like, I think she's asking him to choose her to like go in this thing. What like, if the eight month assignment how it read to me and what I wasn't the eight like, month thing that Grace had to leave for was also this. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I, that came up. I did mention that, but yeah, also, and I was completely right, apparently. <laughs> well, great job. Uh, my mom also messaged me during the show with a prediction or a thought of her own as well. Uh, so, I, you know, I kind of want to make sure that we get the viewer input here. Uh, my mother says, maybe Hank is a Da Vinci surgical robot. So we've been framing Hank as this sort of uh, like futuristic sci-fi robot, but like, what if he's actually like a Renaissance robot, yeah. one of the early automatons? That's Shall I really draw cool you a picture? I mean, he, he he clearly looks convincingly human, though. So I feel like that kind of fits in. I mean, I love yeah. that, but that implies a more advanced thing if we like aren't very clear on the fact that he's a robot. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know, Da Vinci was pretty good at what he did. Who That's knows? true. Maybe That's he could true. maybe he could like grow some kind of human fleshy thing. Especially I don't know. since this is a it's world cool with like superpowers and stuff too. It could be a little different. Yeah. And, and Grace is possibly some kind of Viking. We did Vikings have southern accents? I'm very confused. Yeah, about I this. don't. This one, like, I, this one does. This I guess one does. this one does. No, because like, it was in the instructions, southern. Yeah, and I was no. like, what yeah. are the tiny, the few bits of information I got? So, like, it, it would have, I wouldn't have said Scandinavian. Well, I, I believe it's a multiverse situation. So, yeah, maybe in that so universe, Vikings, Vikings are southern. Yeah. Yeah, this is just the multiverse of madness before yeah. the multiverse of madness comes out. Also, if. If each like person who designed the challenges have a relationship to each of the challengers, yeah, not necessarily that it 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 would kick even more like it would kick me even more in the feelings if Grace's 
I mean, if, uh, if Eve's dad is a part of the challenge and designed a challenge, but he didn't even choose Eve as his, like, champion, he chose someone else, and then someone else is like, I'm gonna pick Eve. But if each of them are pulled to this, like, extra-dimensional place, too, who's to say Da Vinci didn't get his hands on some really cool toys? Yeah. Also, I will I make was, my champion. I was, I was thinking, right the, here. the piece of information that Eve forgot was... What are the Oblivion Trials? And it was a tournament of champions. Mm, that was the answer. Mm -hmm. What if oh my these God. are the, what if these are the Oblivion <laughs> Trials? Like that would be the most like imagine like like for for being Eve's dad like he's never heard he hasn't heard the end of it. They're obviously like whoever's running these things are ribbing each other. Wouldn't it be yeah. wow you're like how embarrassing your daughter forgot the name of this whole <laughs> shtick. Final so, episode battle to the death. Yeah. So <laughs> um, but no um. Are the champions? We're are we're we like we're pawns in this chess game, but what do the competitors win, and do we get a cut of it? I feel I feel like this is like it might be a bit of a stretch for the non Dragon Ball fans in the room, but the sort of feels like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. I'm talking super actually oh, because yeah. it feels like the gods of destruction of a sort, like using mortals to fight their battles for them. So it's so I'm getting this sort of picture of with Eve's dad being the one who commissioned the green challenge, everybody is going to have a challenge commissioner. And these challenge commissioners are essentially going to play the role of the gods of destruction here. Like using their champion to be the ultimate champion and achieve some end just for the champion pickers, like this like party in the background, and that we're just like right fucked because we don't get anything out of it. I think it's all just for them. Okay. But then why would Eve have wanted to be picked? I mean, I guess just like pride probably, for daddy. I bet you issues, get something. But... Like, yeah. there's probably some kind of prize that's like really prestigious. Or to, to... The winner winner does. Yeah, but yeah. not yeah, like I guess any of the champion champions prize. probably have, like, get some sort of thing. Or to quote you, Emery, daddy issues stick. Yeah. <laughs> <She> really wants. <laughs> she just wants to make yeah. her dad proud. Really got to prove herself out yeah. of it. Just wants Papa Senpai to notice her. <laughs> I'd say you just want Daddy Senpai to notice, but that could go down a whole different side of the internet. Why I said Papa Senpai. Oh, God. <laughs> yep, that was but, totally way better. No, this, this is going to spark... I found Grace's hat. That's beautiful. <laughs> this is going to spark some really, really, really interesting discussions, and I know that you're all going to have some questions for Nicole when we do the last episode so many. as well, because it so is, we're, we do have only two episodes left. Uh, two weeks left of season one. Okay. Also, wait, hold on. Do we have time for like one last? Yeah, let's, let's do one last and then we, we got to wrap this up. Time. All of these, they look like years, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, I yeah. figured you were a Viking. I, I because think it's, it yeah, it, it's time in the uh, universe. Yeah, yes. what I want to talk oh. about is Jeb says any. Jeb says YCB yeah, yeah. any. Jeb, you, uh -huh. are, you are not confounded by the bounds of time. Time travel. Or, time travel. Or like Get right, some universes. I'm Some Lord? universes where all of time is happening all at once, all of four dimensions. Oh my god! Like the, like the like like yeah. uh, Arrival. Oh yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad someone um, that movie. I love that movie. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, one. he is Bay. <laughs> oh, love Denis Villeneuve. Can I just say that, like, with the time travel slash different universe thing, I love that. Like Nicole made the decision to just like it would be so easy, and so many people would have written in like Malachi doesn't understand pronouns, and that didn't need to happen, and it yeah. didn't, and I love that. Yeah, 
in my yes. universe, we respect everyone's <laughs> Yeah, like, just, I'm um, glad that wasn't and then, included. Uh, That's really nice. <laughs> there was yeah. any, but there was also infinite on somebody's. Hank. Ooh. Hank was in uh, Hank. Yeah, yeah. Ah! Well, there you go. See, you still could have so created it's my like, divinity. My attention what if it's a death I date? You all deeply. If it's a death date. Death date. <laughs> I, uh, I am here. I also I'm like just... redacted for my race. Yeah. Because what your dad, does that like, mean? Not want your dirty laundry aired or something. Okay. Yeah. He's like, we don't, don't know about child. us. I'm a fucking is... moon yeah. child. I'm a hippie werewolf. When you said Powerpuff, I couldn't contain it. I tried so hard. I was like, it came out. So it's, 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 because <laughs> it's not just werewolf. It's like a shifter type race or something, yeah. maybe, oh. if I had to guess. So also, apparently like, you shift when you're angry, not just yeah. when the moon is full. Which is in some way. It's, like, it's, like, it's like the Beast Man X-Men character. I don't know if he's actually Beast, beast or Beast Man. Beast, 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 thank you. It's like Beast meets the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. The guy who like mm -hmm. calls the it Hulk, just... if you will. Also, oh. <laughs> <was> it... <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> So, it's like in, in some werewolf media, they can shift at will, but it's stronger yeah. on the full moon and they have less control during the full moon. Yeah. I just don't I think I have any control at all. So. He was a werewolf. Yeah. That makes mm -hmm. his memory a lot more traumatizing. Because mm -hmm. I, I assumed he knew from that memory that he was a werewolf, <sighs> but in fact, he was just out here thinking he like murdered a guy. And now I, I understand yeah. why he was so upset. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Particularly <laughs> um, viciously too. Yeah, like not that it wasn't already like bad being a werewolf and knowing that you killed someone, but like now I get it. That's like really rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we do have to wrap up. Uh, I know the time uh, honestly, is infinite. I, <laughs> I wish time, especially was if you're Jeb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. we, this is this. We're gonna have so much to talk about next week and the week after. Um. <laughs> uh, so, I would like to thank each and every one of you for your incredible acting as well as your insights. This was was a hell of a time. And uh, I, I am in very, I, I'm in very much suspense for next week, uh, where we will continue to have fantastic discussions <laughs> on this here show, Cold Cuts, which is based on an original idea by our writing partner, Declan Grogan. Music by Vincenzo Torciello. Hub is written by Nicole Tuttle and edited by Mariah Clausen. We do this every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And every Tuesday, the videos get posted to YouTube and the audio is available on all streaming platforms in audio drama form. Make sure to follow us on all social media at Platform, at platform Prodco, that is P-L-A-T-F-O-R-M-P-R-O-D-C-O for more information about this and other platform production projects as well as when things will be posted up. And we will see you next time.